Introducing our senior pastor, Pastor Sheldon Luxino. Pastor Ward. What an Easter week. I know there are some of you who are visiting, so thank you for being here with us tonight. And for those of you who this is your first time on Wednesday night, we'd like to welcome you. Wednesday night is different than Sunday morning. I just want to let you know that. And, in, and if you didn't catch that already, uh, you can kind of see a little bit of a difference there. And uh, we, we gather here tonight on Wednesday night to be equipped and to learn more about what God is doing in not just our church, but throughout the body of Christ. And so when you came in, you're given that bulletin, and in there are some notes, but they're actually blank. So different than Sunday morning, Wednesday nights, this is when we are equipped. That's why it's called Wednesday Night Equip. And just like Sundays, we bring our Bibles, but Wednesdays, we need to bring our Bibles because we don't put the Scriptures up, and nor is it in your notes. You have to dig for them. And that's the whole, uh, the whole vision behind Wednesday night. It's, it's equipping the saints or the Christians or the believers, the disciples of Jesus Christ, to do works of ministry. And we've been reciting a scripture together found in Ephesians 4.11 through 16. And that scripture is the vision of this night. That's the foundation of what we do. And that's our, our scripture for this night and why we do what we do. And so we've been reciting that. Uh, just to communicate something aside from uh, the service, we were we purchased a tent, and I, I think some of you are aware of this, for our courtyard. And one solid, huge tent. It's a 60 feet by 90 feet tent. So it covers the whole entire courtyard. And uh, it was being shipped. And like I said, because it was coming over you know, the Pacific by canoe, it was taking a little longer. So it's, it should, actually it's here already, but we need to set it up this weekend and uh, hopefully, actually I don't know if we're going to set it up by Sunday, I didn't get the word yet. Does anybody know? Where's, where's Pastor Marsha? She's someplace. Uh, if, it, if we're ready, we're ready. But I think what they said is next week, Wednesday, because of the permitting process for electricity, because we have to run electricity for lighting, uh, because the permits have to go through because we do everything righteous here. We want to make sure that we have electricity. But if not, uh, we might not have lighting for Wednesday night. But it's still a little, a little bright at about 6.30. And that's when we start in our service. But I think we can figure out a way to put some lighting, some temporary lighting just for that night until we get our electricity installed. Uh, candles, flashlight. You know, whatever we got to do so that we can eat outside too. But it's going to be wonderful. It's a nice tent, and it's a part of the process of the Save to Save and then finalizing our courtyard, and it's going to be beautiful. I know some of you guys want to help. If you do want to help, please see Tom Krieger. Uh, then he can give you the setup times and things like that, okay? We're all good? Okay, well, why don't you take out your bulletin, and on the back, we're going to recite that scripture together. And I'm going to give you a little hint on how to memorize Scripture a little bit. And we've been putting this to memory. You may not memorize the whole thing, and that's okay. But you can get the, the essence of it or the, the gist of it. And it's Ephesians 4.11. That's where it starts, but it actually goes through 16. And this is how I've been uh, trying to memorize the first one. I use an acrostic, or it's A P. So that's the acrostic that I use. And it's 
Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going off memory, and my memory is like the best. It's apostle. Oh, yeah, prophet. See how great my memory is? And these two kind of go hand in hand. So I use this, APEP. So when I memorize it, it's, it's kind of in my head. And it, if, you, if you are a, an audible learner or you are one who learns more through auditory learning, uh, sometimes you can listen to it online over and over again. Or if you listen to a recording, there's some uh, Bible versions online or a Bible app that you could use on your phone and you can listen to it over and over. And it helps you to memorize scripture. But this helps for the first part of it, which is the five-fold ministry or the five areas that the Bible is talking about where Ephesians 4.11 starts up. Okay? I don't want to go into too much detail. I just thought something to help. But we're going to stand together. And as we read the Word of God, we stand because it's the presence of God's Word. And we want to, we want to stand and, and uh, just honor Him and His name. So I'm going to go slow on this one because I'm going to use this as an example, okay? And the Bible, when it says, and he himself, he's talking about Jesus Christ. Because this is Paul the Apostle talking, and he's giving us instruction on how to do ministry. So let's read it together. But if you memorized it so far, let's look at this. If not, you can look at your paper, okay? Ready? Go. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the works of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. And as we've been going through this scripture... Really, the end result is that as the body of Christ, we would build ourselves up not to become a large congregation or a people of just one big mass, but that we would be people who edify itself or build itself up in love. Because if we don't love, then everything that we do is, as what you say in your word, a noisy sound. We don't want to be a noisy sound. We want to be effective, just as you are, in loving people In your name we pray. We all said, Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Good job. So just to give you up to speed. Oh, next week, Tuesday, they said the tent should be ready to go. So just to give you a heads up. Okay. We've been exploring five different subjects, and some of you have been with us through the past couple of months. And we've been looking at his position over all creation. We've also been looking at his power to create all things. And we've been also exploring his providence or his good judgment and and management in controlling all things. Last week, uh, the week before last week, last week was uh, our Easter play, but the last time we were talking, we were looking at how, how God controls everything. And we can look at our universe and creation and the solar system and how it operates, and we must 
think to ourselves, what keeps that together? Now, science will prove gravity. It'll prove uh, different formulas and different laws because of uh, the way the solar system operates, and it's so precise. But really, what holds gravity together? What created gravity? What created the heavens and the earth? It was God by His Word. He spoke it, and it came into existence. He's the God who made us. And so when God spoke everything into existence, He holds everything in existence. It's by His Word that everything continues to operate in how it does. And that's our God. That's His providence. He controls all things. And we talked about us and how God created us, that we were the only creation that wasn't made from nothing. Everything else was when God spoke, then everything came into existence. We were made from dirt, dust. We were made from something that was already created. And we're going to find out why God did it that way. Why didn't God just speak us into life? Why didn't He just say, let man arise and let man be formed? Why didn't God just say, let human beings come into existence? Because He could have done that. He did that with everything else. Let there be light. Let there be stars. Let there be moon and sun. Let the plants come up. He could have done that. He could have, he could have spoke us into existence. But He chose to do it another way. See, God loves us and wants us to glorify Him. And He's the only one that will fulfill all our deepest needs. So there's a reason why He created us in the way He did. Yes, we're made out of the dust of the ground. But God, God is a hands-on God when it comes to us. See, the reason why He didn't speak us into existence is because He wanted to have a relationship with us. He wanted to have His hands upon us just like a mom or a father to their child, that you embrace them. And that's what God wanted to do. He formed us out of the dust of the ground. Something happens, something takes place when there's a hands-on kind of thing, where when you're creating something and you, you put your hands to it, then there's, there's more of you in what you're creating. It's kind of like an artist who paints or or a sculptor who is sculpting, and, or someone who is working with clay, as the Bible says, the potter, and the hands of the potter to the clay. There, there's a, there's a, a relationship that is being built with what is being formed, and that's what God was doing. And if you think about it, when God was forming us and shaping us, if you think of the potter's hand, what would happen if God lifted his hand from us? What would happen if a potter who was sitting on that wheel, let's just say they're sitting down and they're spinning that thing, you know, that, the, the wheel, and they're turning the table and there's a lump of clay and he's forming it. He sees what it's supposed to be, but then all of a sudden, as he's spinning, he just lets it go. What would happen? Yeah, the thing would fly off. It would be lopsided. It would, it would uh, become bent out of shape. It would be spinning around in circles and probably fall apart. Some of us use those very terms that we just said right now. We say, oh man, today so-and-so just, you know, he said this or she said this. I was just all bent out of shape. Maybe God's hand was off of you at that time. Maybe our attitude went another direction. Or maybe we say, oh man, everything's falling apart. Got a question. Am I on God's wheel? Is God's hand on me or have I run from him? Did I stray from him? Is there anything that I'm doing that is pulling me away from God? See, even though God knows that, that we are but dust, 
The Bible says it in Psalm 103, and we, we read this scripture last time. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. But Psalm 103, and I'll read verses 13 and 14. So bring your Bibles on Wednesday nights. It's a great time to get used to the Word of God and then flip through. Some of you will use your smartphone. Sometimes you can't find it on your smartphone, so I don't know if it's that smart. But you can look on your phone. But Psalm 103.13, or you can write it down and check it out later when you go home. But it says this in Psalm 103, As the Father pities His children, so the Lord pities those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. God is ever mindful of what we've been created from. That's why He wants His hand on us. That's why His providence is so important in controlling all things. Now, we'll look at it and say, wait a minute, so if God controls all things, then why do anything? I thought I had the freedom to choose. If God controls everything, then aren't we just like puppets? Are we just robots that we can't do a thing? No, no, we have the freedom to choose. God has given us will. But you see, God is so much bigger than us. He has the ability to control all things and at the same time give us free will. Well, how does He do that? Well, if you, if you have children, you understand. And when they're babies and they're running all over the place, you understand what it means that they have the freedom to choose, but you control all things. Sometimes they fall, but you're right there to help them up. Sometimes they go near the stove, you're right there to protect them. Sometimes they make a decision that is not the best decision, but they learn. You hurt too, but you still control all things. They don't just run wild. You make sure that you're watching over them. And God the Father is the same way. Although He controls everything, He still gives us the freedom to choose. But He'll always be there. And that's why the Bible says He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's like a father watching his children play. That's what He's doing. And so we have the freedom to choose. But God knows that we are but dust. God made all these chemicals in the soil. He put us together. And sometimes we think, wait, wait a minute. If God put us together and we're nothing but dust and He breathes His Spirit into us and then we become a living being, and if, if He's given us the freedom to choose and we can choose Him but we can deny Him and we can, we can choose to spend eternity with Him or we can choose to spend eternity without Him, how does that, how does that all make sense? I mean, it, it just doesn't seem like that's the best way to do things. How can I believe in something like that? I just can't believe that we're made from dust and God formed us and then shaped us. I just can't believe that. How, why should I believe that? How can I believe that? Because if you go into more detail and you start really thinking things through and try to put everything together, you can come to the conclusion that all of this stuff in the Bible is nonsense. Speaking of nonsense, did you know that faith is a nonsense. Faith is a nonsense. The only way you and I can believe God is through faith. That's the way we believe in God. Wait, there's got to be another way. What if He showed Himself to us? What if, what if I prayed and then if God showed Himself to me, then I would believe that everything He says is true? No, you wouldn't. He, he did that. Human beings still turned away from Him. Okay, well, if he, if he showed me like some miracle, like a miracle that nobody could do, a miracle that, that, that human beings cannot accomplish, something that cannot be accomplished. He did that too. He walked on water. You try walking on water. That's tough. 
We all tried it. Don't lie. I know we all tried walking on water sometime in our life. Or the best one yet, we just celebrated His resurrection. You see, God does things, but we try to believe in Him with our senses. But faith is a nonsense. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We need to have faith in Him, and our faith should be in Him because He said so. It's, it's plain and clear. Yeah, but that, that too, why, would, if, why should I believe in God just because He said so? I don't know if I can trust that much because he said so. Okay, I'll go back to parenting. Now, some of you may not have kids yet. Maybe you have, maybe you have nieces or nephews or someone, someone who you, uh, maybe you're a teacher or something. Let's just say, I'll just use a dad as an illustration, okay, as a father. Let's just say you're here as a father. And you work for a company. Uh, let's use uh, like uh, our. Why did I choose a hard word? Architecture. Architecture. How do you spell architecture? Uh, that's not how you spell it. <laughs> architect. Got it. E C T. Okay, architect. <laughs> and then I added E and an R. That's awesome. See. That's not right. Is that right? The people who build stuff. <clears throat> so let's just say you're working for this company and they build all kinds of things. We all understand that word, right? Why can't I spell architecture? <laughs> so we, we, they build all these things. Let's just say your son is here. And your son is the most talented when it comes to being an architect. He's the most talented, has the greatest skills, but does not have the people skills yet still working on his character and his ability to make sales, his ability to talk with people. Let's just say he's still working on that. Now, the CEO comes to you as the father or even as the mom, the mother, comes to you as the parent and says, you know, I've been watching your son, been watching him. Or daughter, just so I don't get any emails. Your son or daughter... I saw your child, and, and they are the best at what it takes to run this department. But they're lacking in some skills. Now, let's just say he said, I want to offer them this position in about two years. I want to give them that position in two years. I've never bumped someone that quick, but I, I, I see the potential in your child. But here's the deal. You can't tell your child about that deal. Because if so, he'll only perform to get the position. That's all he'll do, or that's all she'll do. They'll perform to get the position. So how about you start working with their, their character, their integrity, their people skills, and salesmanship. So the father knows where this, what the potential is in the child, and so does the CEO. So now the father starts working on character, people skills, integrity, and, and salesmanship. The child doesn't understand. The son or daughter, every day when the dad or, or, or the mom says, 
something to do with a correction. Maybe they give them a corrective uh, uh, lecture or remark and they say, hey, son, you got to watch that attitude. I mean, I see the potential in you and maybe one day you'll be doing something that uh, puts you in front of people and you want to watch that. Yeah, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it. Maybe after a while, your son or daughter says, you know what, you're always, you're always telling me about character or integrity or about people skill or salesmanship. Why do, you, why do you keep doing that? Well, because I believe in you. No, you're always hounding me. You're always telling me what to do. You, you're always picking on me. You don't, you don't know what it's like to be in here. But re, in reality, the father and mother sees where they're at, but sees where they could be in two years. Now, two years go by. This relationship is fractured because the son or daughter was unwilling to learn these four traits to become this person, which was their dream. And if this was their dream to become this, many times it takes this first before this could ever happen. Because the CEO is not really looking for the best architect. It's looking for the best architect with the best character, integrity, people skills, and salesmanship. Now you turn it back over to God and what God does with us. There's times where God is going to correct us in so many different things because he sees something that's going to happen in two years, a month. Five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. He sees that and he's trying to correct us today. And we keep fighting against him. And God is saying, wait a minute, I'm still shaping you because you're on my wheel. I'm molding you and shaping you. You don't understand right now. Why don't you explain it to me? Because then you'll only do it for the position, not for me. You do it for the wrong reason and the wrong motive. If you only do it for the position and not for me, then when you get to that position... You will never be satisfied because it's never the position that satisfies you. It's where you've positioned yourself under me that satisfies you. That's why the Bible says, and if you can turn your Bibles to 1 Peter 5.5. 5. 1 Peter 5.5. 5. It's a scripture that always gets to us. And this is why we need to believe in God and have the faith in God and understand that His providence is, and when He controls all things, He sees more than we can see. It's in 1 Peter 5.5. 5. And it says this, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. And here's where it gets pretty brutal. For God resists the proud but He gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. In other words, God, as CEO of everything, He's always looking to fulfill what He created us to become. That's why He says that He's, he's transforming us from glory to glory. He's always progressing us. He's always moving us forward. But if I'm unwilling to learn the things required to become who He made me to be, then He says, you're, what you're doing, I can't be a part of. So God actually resists the proud. And He says, if you're not willing to learn my way, then you're going to have to learn your way. But your way is always a dead end. Always. 
He resists the proud. But here's the good news. Because we can look at that and say, oh my goodness, then God resists me. No sense, no more chance, no more hope. No, no, no. There's the other side to it. And the good news is that He gives grace to the humble. There we go. Forget all of this stuff. We can, we can bypass all the prideful stuff if we just clothe ourselves in humility. And then we can say, Lord, I humble myself before you. Teach me about character. Teach me about integrity, people skills, salesmanship. Teach me about being a better father, a better mother, a better person. Teach me how to be a better leader. How can I be better for you? And when you make the mistake, learn from it, move forward. He gives grace to the humble. If he resists the proud, there's nothing given there. And God is a giver. Can you see how uh, what God goes through to resist the proud? He's a giver. It's almost like God is saying, when you are proud, that relationship that is supposed to be there becomes broken. And now it doesn't function how it's supposed to be. I'm a giver. But because of that proudness, that pride that you have, I got to resist you. You know how hard that is for God? And not in the way of his, Him being all-powerful, but His heart. Just like a parent. I know as a parent, sometimes it's hard for us to discipline our children. But we know what's good for them. But God is a giver. When, we, when He has to resist us, it's, it's not God's best moment. That's why he says, let's turn it back over to the other side. I'm a giver. I will give grace to the humble. I give. I'm a giver. That's what I want to do. I want to give grace to you. But that only happens when we're humble. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 7. If you can, just turn to the left. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And this is what it says. And you can put this one to memory because it's very short. Way shorter than Ephesians 4, 11. If 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. I'm so glad that we don't walk by sight and in our spiritual walk. Because if we walk by sight in our spiritual walk, we'd be done. If we look at the world around us, it would seem like there is no hope left. Sometimes even in our own families, we go through junk and we think there's no hope left. That's only if we walk by sight. Even as parents, if we have teenagers and they're going through their difficult seasons, if we don't walk by faith, hard to see that they're going to come out of this well. You know, one of the biggest struggles in a teenager's life is relationships. And now with technology and they can communicate in the middle of the night with their friends without a phone, it, it just causes for more drama. And if your teenager is going through drama, oh my goodness, that, oh man, that you, prayer and fasting probably will only be the solution right now. That you just got to pray and fast for them. And sometimes parents, as adults, we go through stuff. Sometimes we're going through something at work and we bring it home and then the wife or the husband says, Hey, so how was your day? Oh my goodness, you know the kind. Oh my goodness. She never do nothing today. Walk, 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 walk all over the place. On Facebook, all day. She never do nothing. Oh, oh, okay. And you just dump on your family. Oh, I was work today. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, do nothing. 
He's acting like he was digging ditches. He wasn't even digging. And it's like we bring everything from work home and, and we bring all the junk home and now the family is in disarray because we brought home all the junk. And God is saying, no, no, no. I, I want you to understand something. Don't follow me by what you see. Follow me by who I say I am. Not by what you see. You're going to see a lot of junk in this world. You're going to see a lot of junk in our families. You're going to see all of that stuff. But he says, that's not what you walk by. You walk by faith. And let me tell you, when you follow God with your spirit and having the faith in him, things will hit you because life is life. It'll hit you. But when you put your faith in God, it's not, it's not where everything will just bounce off of you. But you'll be able to bounce back a whole lot quicker than if you were to walk by sight. Whenever you see something that just disrupts you, you know, it kind of gets to your heart, just, just, it kind of dismantles your thought process, it, it takes away from your family, or, or it, it, something at your job is happening and you're like, I don't know what to do. When that happens, seek God in those moments. Remember now, He resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. When you humble yourself before God, grace comes upon you. He gives you grace. The kind of grace that God gives is like no other. We walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, but that's the Word of God. Is not the Bible written by man? Why should I follow and put my faith into something that was written by man? Did not men and women write this Bible over a span of a couple thousand years? Why should I believe in the Bible? Is there any other way to, to follow God without His Word? That's a very interesting thought. And so we're going to continue that next week. We're going to close in prayer tonight. <laughs> yeah. Just because of our time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have no previews for next week. <clears throat> but I can give you a little hint. We're going to still talk about His providence to control all things and how good He is. Well, let's pray. Let's bow our heads and we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, how thankful we are for your word. And we're going to, we're going to learn that, yes, your, your word was written by men and women thousands of years ago. But really, when it comes to it, the question is, are we putting our faith in you? Do we trust that, that you have the ability to control all things? That you're the one who we should put our trust in? Lord, I pray for every family here tonight. I pray for the, the fathers, that we would be the men that you created us to be, that we wouldn't turn away from you, that we wouldn't be prideful when it comes to your word and how you correct us. Sometimes even other people will correct us, and boy, we become defensive so quickly. And even if that happens, Lord, and we become defensive so quickly, may those words sink into our hearts, and may we learn from it. And if we need to make things right, then so be it. But we don't want to turn away from you and your spirit in making us the men of God you see us to be. Could be that you're working on something in our lives because you see something two years ahead or a day ahead or a month or a couple years. Lord, may we submit to you. Lord, I pray for the, the mothers and all that they do, 
Some of the women are working moms. Some of them, they stay at home. There's different categories that we all fall into. But nonetheless, you still see potential in every single woman. And I pray for our women, Lord, that they would rise up and become the women that you created them to be. That they wouldn't believe the things that have been said to them that are negative. Or things that have been said to them that put them down. Or the things that the media would say that causes them not to feel worthy or beautiful. But that they would remember that they're created in your image. That is the most beautiful creation of all. So I pray for their heart. I pray that you would strengthen them and, and to remind them that even if no one says thank you to them, you are every day saying thank you for who they're becoming. I pray for our children, Lord, that they will become the people you made them to be and that as they go through their different stages of life, that you would remind them how precious they are to you and that you will discipline them and correct them from time to time, not because you don't like them, it's because you love them and see the potential And most of the times, you'll do that through parents. So I pray for our families that we will seek you with all our hearts, that we will love you with all our soul, and that we will follow you with all our might and our strength as we trust in you. You are the God who controls all things. And for that, we're thankful for. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said... Amen. Amen.